commitment, dedication, success. Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, the most trusted name in executive search and consulting, welcomes you to the KKNW podcast, where we delve deep into the not so simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video strategist, Corey Saban. And hello again, everybody. It's fantastic to be with you today in another Copland, Keebler, and Wallace Leadership Podcast. My name's Corey Sabin, and we've got two dynamic guests with you us today. First, all the way from Minnesota, the General Manager and Chief Operating Officer of Interlochen Country Club, Joel Livinggood. Joel, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. And also joining us is Carmen Missouri, the general manager, chief operating officer at the club at Mediterra. Carmen, great to reconnect. Yeah, thank you, Corey. Likewise. So we'll start off with you, Carmen. If you could, let's delve a little bit deeper into your background and tell us about your career. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, I was actually a, a, a cook for many years and a classically trained cook and executive chef. Uh, and I think, you know, through life, I kept on drawing the short straw and has, have found my way to, uh, to various positions, um, both in private club and corporate restaurants, and then to uh, more of the leadership and management role. So currently now, 10 years at Mediterra, um, and I am the current general manager and chief operating officer, as you said, uh, here in Southwest Florida, Naples. Very nice. Uh, very nice. Joel, how about you? Absolutely. Um, my background a little bit different uh, than Carmen's. I came up on the golf side of the business. I started uh, working as a caddy at a uh, small club just outside of Fargo, North Dakota, um, and really found a passion for hospitality in the golf business and um, worked there for the next 10 years in a variety of different roles and went off to college at the University of Minnesota and got my degree in um, business and marketing and um, had frankly every intention of um, you know a job in, in the big city, kind of how they prepared you in business school. Um, but had an opportunity to go back to that club I grew up at um, as a general manager when I was just 22, and um, learned a lot of things the, the hard way for the first time. And uh, fortunately, uh, surrounded by a lot of smart people, and had a lot of support, and found some success. And then uh, ultimately, that you know, kind of set my uh, career trajectory from there. Um, I was at the North Oaks Golf Club, which is here in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. Um, from 2014 to 17, and then uh, been in my role at Interlock in um, the past five years, and um, feels feels like 10 though, Carmen, in the best uh, possible <laughs> way. Um, but just just celebrated five years, so. Well, happy anniversary. We'll go from one golden gopher to an Ohio State Buckeye, and my co-host for this podcast, a tremendous resource to the club space, Tom Wallace. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing great, Corey. Thank you. Yes, Joel and I, we, we have to get a wager going for the big football game in a couple of weeks here. Uh, we do. It's been a long time since uh, Minnesota and, and Ohio State were worth, worth a bet, but I'll, uh, I'll take it this year. There you go. Well, <laughs> uh, Corey, thanks for uh, kicking us off. I'm just excited. These are two people that I hold very uh, near and dear to my heart because Carmen Missouri and I go way back. We both worked together at the country club and uh, I was a young assistant manager. Carmen was a very young sous chef, and uh, we both became, I became the general manager. He became the executive chef. 20-plus uh, years, we worked together at Mediterra. But I just remember meeting him as a young man and being so impressed with him, just 
something about him. I said, I've got to get to know this this person better. And we've become uh, very, very close friends, like brothers uh, over the years. And that's the same way I feel about Joel. I met Joel. There's something about him that I said, this, this young man's got a, a tremendous amount of talent. And I just wanted to get a, to know him better. And oddly enough, Carmen and Joel have become very good friends. And I think they probably have share some of the same characteristics uh, when they see someone with a ton of talent, they like to connect and get to know those people. So uh, these are two people that are very special to me and I think are two very special people to the industry. So very excited to have you both here. And I I know you guys know how much you mean to me. And uh, so I'm going to, if you're all right, Corey, I'm just going to dive into the questions. I know you're going to jump in here and there, but uh, I'll go with Carmen first. Herman, uh, these are just leadership questions. I really think people want to know. I, I, I want to know, uh, you know, who is it that you look up to? Now, of course, if you, you could say a parent, and I want to hear that story and why, but if you do have a family person that you look up to, I also want to know from a professional perspective, who, who do you look up to? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I tell you, that's a, uh... That's that's a that's a great question. You know, you mentioned that we worked together and we continue to still, you know, work together and care deeply about each other. And I'll never forget a quick story. Uh, I was I was the uh, chef at a local restaurant, Molinari's, and this was the first day I ever met Tom. Him and uh, uh, the general manager, um, Mr. Hampton, were dining at this restaurant, and it's an open kitchen concept. So I'm sitting there cooking, and all of a sudden the server comes by and says, "Hey." that table over there wants you to, uh, you know, wants, wants to meet you. I said, oh, cool. So I go and she sends me to the wrong table. And all of a sudden I feel this tug on the back of my apron by these two gentlemen that turn around and they said, we're the ones that wanted to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first introduction we had. I don't know if you remember that time. Oh, I do. I just remember those people you were talking to thinking, wow, this young man's really going out of his way to introduce himself. <laughs> and then they were like, and then you, you didn't even turn around right away. You kind of slowly kind of had to extract yourself from that table because you had already engaged. And then you turned around and talked to us. And I, I thought watching you handle that situation, I was like, this kid's going places. That was very politically savvy how he handled that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's you know, it's been great. You have had a, a tremendous amount of uh, of counsel and depth in my success in my career, if you can call it success. Um, and you know, I was I was raised my my father, my father and myself and my brother. Uh, he worked a full time job and coached two you know baseball teams and wrestling, and you know was always there for everything. So of course, my father is just incredibly near and dear to me. But um, you know, on top of that. You know, it's, it's, I like to surround myself, as you mentioned, with just driven people. I don't know if it's necessarily looking up, but I look at everyone. I want to look at everyone. I want to, there's a learning from everybody. It may be what not to do. It may be what to do. Um, but there's, you know, I just, I just can garnish something from every relationship that, uh, that I come in, that I come in contact with. And, you know, the people that were major influences in my life positively and influences that I didn't want to emulate, you know, and I learned how not to do some things from those individuals. So to me, it's, uh, you know, I certainly have a lot of mentors and a lot of counselors in my career, 
but I've I've gone from looking up to people, not not in a not in a, in a success way, but to really looking at them and what and where could I, you know, what can I garnish from that? So, uh, you know, I, I just learn from everybody something. Yeah, I like that, and I remember, and I'll, I'll just add in, and obviously Carmen and I have a ton of history, but I I've always been envious of how connected you and your father were and and that you made time for your dad when he came in town and it it taught me a lot watching how you interacted with your dad and I I'm Carmen I'm sure you remember when we found out my dad was going to be passing away we were together in a room and uh just how hard it hit both of us and 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 just how you were like you got to get on plane right now and we had something big happening at the club uh that very night and you're like go right now and I just always remember Carmen is an absolute workaholic, but he also is a great family person, and uh, he, he's good like that, and he keeps you balanced. He was a great work partner and a great friend, So, uh, and I, but I've always been envious. I always loved uh, your connectivity to your mom and dad and, and uh, how important they are to you, and uh, th- that was always something I wish. I, I, I was always such a workaholic. I didn't put the time into my parents that when I got older that I wish I did, so keep that going, my friend. All right, Joel. That's a lot to come in after, but I who who is yeah. it that you look up to? Uh, and and I'll, you know, I think it's a good segue. You talked a lot about family, and you know, I think it may be um, you know common or cliche, right, to say that you look up to your mom and dad. But I, I sure because it's actually changed a lot over the course of my career. I certainly always looked up to my parents and, and valued the um, you know role they played in my life and the person I became. But I think as I grew in my career and I had got married and had children of my own, um, I started to, to value what I learned from them more. I started to realize that I learned a lot more from them uh, than I maybe once thought, right? Um, my parent, my, both my parents were teachers. My mom taught second grade. My dad taught in high school. He was a coach. And to think, it, man, think about my approach to leadership today and how I work with um, my team, it's, it's probably much like a teacher and a coach. And I think that other people that I look up to the most or admire the most have some of those similar qualities. And so I think my parents played a big role in that. Um, and my mom was just, and my dad for that matter, but exceedingly empathetic. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've always found that even in, in difficult situations or when maybe you have really high expectations for people, um, that empathy really wins and, and probably more so now than ever um, coming out of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and they taught me the value of hard work. They were, they were hard working people. My dad worked really hard. My mom ultimately stayed uh, at home with, with us kids, which was probably the hardest job. But, um, you know, remember dad was saying that's what they call it work. Uh, and so certainly uh, got some the value of hard work from them. Um, and then I think yeah, you know, a couple other folks in my, in my life, I was really kind of mentored by uh, a PGA golf professional at this club um, growing up by a guy named John Dahl and in the PGA for you know, probably 35 years. And, Watching him and understanding the value of relationships uh, in our business, I think that's something the golf professional is always, always good at and, and understands how to cultivate and leverage and manage. And, and at the end of the day, as we think about all the work that, that we do and the success that I've had, a lot of that I feel like has been rooted in the ability to build and manage and use different relationships with um, members and team members in, in the right way. And there's one thing you always said, you, know, you don't always call on people when you need them, right? And so cultivating those relationships day in and day out um, is as important or more important than when, you know, leveraging those relationships that you need them, uh, when you need them. Um, and I think the last group, and very similar to what Carmen said, you know, I, you look at, you look at everybody. I, I look back at, you know, all the club presidents that have had an influence on their life, ones that I worked 
super well with and others that, you know, maybe we had some more conflict with. I look at board members and other colleagues um, of all shaped my career in a, a lot of different ways. Um, but I think one of the special things about our uh, industry is just this unprecedented access and ability to build relationships with some of the most um, successful business and community people, um, you know, in our respective areas. Um, I look at my friends and the other jobs and things that they do. Uh, they don't have that type of access. And so to be able to learn from those people, um, I think we think is one of the biggest benefits, greatest gifts uh, we have in our, our roles at clubs. And so any opportunity I have to, to learn from those people um, about, you know, how they lead, how they manage, and, and how they ultimately make decisions in their businesses is, has benefited me tremendously. Well, that's a great, I always say one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest benefits for a general manager, COO, is you're surrounded by wicked smart people. So, and it, it cuts both ways. Uh, totally. as far, yeah, but uh, it can be a real benefit as well. No, I appreciate that. Uh, Corey, any follow-up there? Yeah, you know, for both of you guys, it is interesting as we get older, we become our fathers a little bit and we start to take on some of their persona a little bit. But what really stood out to me uh, for both Joel and Carmen is, Joel, you mentioned something that Tom just piggybacked on in regards to the access you have to some of these great leaders and so often they feel their way is the right way. And in some clubs, they feel they could do the job better than you. But I also believe there's a lot of positivity that can come from that. So I'll ask you both, what are some lessons that you've learned from these dynamic leaders that happen to be members that you've applied in your professional life as well as your personal life? Sure, I can jump in, Carmen, and, and then pass it, pass it to you. You know, I think I've been very blessed and, and fortunate that, you know, I haven't been in a, a situation in where, you know, the, my club president or, or board feels, you know, that, that they need to step into my my role or that they want to step into my role. And so I think, frankly, that's been a learning for me. The, the best leaders let their teams lead and manage. And I think, you know, sometimes when you become so focused on a, a goal or an aspiration or you have such high standards, it's really easy to, to step over that um, line with your team and others. and you know, I've been blessed to have you know, board support and leadership that's allowed me to lead. And sometimes that means allowing me to fail. Uh, and they're there to be supportive when you fail. They're there to help you um, understand why you failed. Uh, and they're there to help you move on. Um, and then I think the other thing um, that sticks out very crisply um, to me, both with you know, the, the president CEO, you chair their president of the board when I was at North Oaks and had several folks in similar roles here at Interlock and since I've been in, in this role. And, those leaders ask the best questions. The best leaders ask the best questions. Um, they maybe say the least when they do speak, it carries um, a lot of weight and it's always well thought out and meaningful, um, but they ask the best questions. Um, it took me a few years to, to see that, but it's been a consistent trend in some of the strongest um, board leaders that, that I've had over the course of the last several years. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would agree with Joel and I'll just, I'll, I'll actually continue on his statement. I think you're right. They do ask the best questions. And what I've learned and why they probably are able to do that is because they have mastered the art of listening. And uh, 100%. Um, and if, if I, my, I have many takeaways from, you know, the master classes that we all sit around. I mean, my president was uh, <clears throat> last six years, is a, a good friend and a true mentor. And, you know, we use his products every single day in our household and, and, driving around and uh, he just, he had a way to listen, to understand and uh, to be able to, to respond 
um, with with patience and and with clarity. And I got to tell you, I really learned a lot in, in just that one sector where it allowed me more growth than I thought it would. So uh, the art of listening is is real and it's it's useful. Most important tool in communications. Well. Communication and leadership go hand in hand, and the three founding Club Leadership Alliance firms, Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, McMahon Group, and Club Benchmarking are independent entities working together for the common good of the industry, serving clubs in all aspects of strategic planning, operations, finances, human capital, and facilities. The CLA's core values serve as a framework for the proven best practices and include informed leadership, strategic stewardship, empowered management and team, compelling member experience. The Club Leadership's Alliance mission is to rally club leaders to create relevant, enduring clubs, and their vision is simple, generate widespread understanding and adoption of the best practices that lead to sustained club success. Learn more, clubleadershipalliance.com. Tom? Thanks, Corey. Well, gentlemen, we'll... We'll move to our next question. Joel, we'll go to you first on this one. Uh, I just want to know, what are you looking forward to? What stimulates you? What energizes you? What are the things that you like to do away from work that help you be a better leader when you're at work? Sure. Yeah, you know, I think um, you can put it in a, a couple buckets. I think it, you know, at work and in my professional life, I've always been a builder. So I'm, out, you know, I'm continually inspired and motivated by building our business, building our team, um, capital projects that, you know, all, you know, interest closer and closer and closer to, you know, ultimately um, achieving our goals. And then I think, you know, on, on the home front, um, as my family's growing, you know, my, my daughter Finley just turned three last week and um, I had a daughter Noah's approaching eight months. Um, you know, I think I've become more motivated, uh, frankly, to find some balance in my life and spend time with them and, you know, how I work, how I approach my work, uh, how I allow my team to lead um, has all been influenced by, you know, watching my family grow up and wanting to be sure that, you know, I have time to, to spend with, with them and um, to cultivate those relationships and be sure that I'm there for all the important things. And so, you know, I think our, our business is um, unique and the, you know, the buzzword today is, is work-life balance. And I think, you know, I've used, I tend to use the word like work-life integration. And so like to be motivated by, you know, how do I continue to you know, stimulate myself at work as I build our team and our business and, and what we're trying to do, but then how do I also, um, you know, be sure that I've got the, the time and energy for my family that, um, you know, my parents gave me while they were still working hard is to figure out how my life and work uh, kind of fit together. Um, and I think that's a constantly, you know, evolving um, thing for me. But I think, you know, as I you know, grow in my career, you learn that you can do um, both. And it doesn't mean you're maybe even working less hard than you worked, you did before. You're just working um, differently and you're making sure that you prioritize the right things at the, at the right time. That's great. I love it. Carmen, how about you? I, I, well, I know a couple things, Carmen. I know you work, you're work out like crazy. Well, what I know that's probably a stress reliever, but what else? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm looking forward to, and Corey is probably the same, is the you know positivity rates below 20 percent in Florida. <laughs> yes, um, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> but you know, from, from an uh, you know, I like how Joel categorized those. You know, I think from an industry standpoint, um, you know, it's you know this industry is evolving. I you know at such a rapid pace. You know. Think back 15 years ago when 
you know, Papa Jay at Boca, what he did to the industry with, with building, you know, what's there today. You know, I mean, it, it was, it, it was unheard of, right? And what, uh, you know, Jeffrey's doing at Union starting 10 years ago through today. So I, you know, I think I am super excited to see 10 years from today. I mean, club industry is not the club industry that we all started in. And thank God for that. But, uh, but it's certainly not, you know, it's, it's, it's morphing into much more. I'm sure there's been some things that maybe, maybe a few people have saw with Mediterra with the things that we have done for the team. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to more, to more effort and energy in bringing, you know, the curtain, pulling the curtain back per se on some of those spaces that no one sees and put them, you know, right up front on stage. So, you know, that's always been a, a motivator for me. Uh, I have twins. They're eight. They're, uh, they are uh, in third grade, so it's a special time. And watching them, you know, come home and having conversations with them like we've never been able to do is, is uh, just super motivating to continue to, you know, take Lucci fishing or to, or to spend, you know, that one-on-one time with them. And, you, you know, personally, I, uh, you know, I just I find inspiration in, in the smallest things. I don't know. It, it, it's a blessing and a curse. So I really uh, – I mean, I'm able to come into work and continually stay motivated to try to push the envelope to the next day. Um, and I think that's been more of a blessing than a curse, but I got to tell you when I, you know, when I go into the, to the Medi room now and I, and I have the team there and I say, guys, I got an idea. They literally say, Oh my God, now what? Um, because it's, it's one of those things where I, we just, we all try to continue to move this, uh, move this ball forward. Like the people I mentioned and so many more have done the past 10 to 15 years. Well, uh, Corey, I'm just going to jump in here before Please. you have a follow-up. Uh, guys, one of the things that young managers talk about, and I, I, uh, Carmen, I did bring up working out and stuff like that. Joel, I don't know if it's golf or what it is that you do. What do you do, though, to decompress and keep yourself physically and mentally sharp uh, from, from uh, really young managers want to know how do the people at the very top of their game what do they do to just decompress and stay balanced from a physical and mental standpoint to be at your best? Now, I, I know you work out a ton, Carmen, but I don't know what you do. And, and Joel, I know you do as well, but I don't know what you do. Could you share just briefly what those things are? Because I think yeah. people want to know that. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, the only goals that can be achieved are the ones that can be measured, right? And when it comes to health and, and decompression, I – I, uh, I challenge myself personally. I come up with weird challenges that are 30 day segments. They're nothing more than 30 days. They're not less than 30 days. And when you start to, and I feel like anybody can do anything for 30 days, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's long enough to where you'll, it could become a habit, but it's short enough to where, you know, in, in a week, you, you only have, you know, 21 days left and, and, and it's done. So, um, I, I think 30 days is, is the right recipe. I've tried things longer and shorter, and I just found that. But uh, I'll, I'll come up with random random challenges for my body, and that could be uh, the last one I did was a playbook out of um, something else called the Heart 75 where uh, for 30 straight days I had to do a random act of kindness. And in, in work didn't count. It wasn't like going to say hello to somebody. It was 
you know, really touching someone in a meaningful way that you had no idea who they are. Um, on top of that, you know, I, I gave myself a, a zero caffeine and, and water goal during that same, same process. And these challenges that I come up with, they could have five to six things that you have to do it every day for 30 days, which make them very difficult. Um, and I'll tell you, the, I, we also, I have a buddy that does this with me. We also have a, uh, a failure, you know, so if you don't do it, the, the, the punishment for not doing it is certainly worse than, than going through the 30 days. So, so, so it gives you motivation uh, to, you know, to get through it. But I do a lot of those, and I constantly uh, reinvent those. And I'll tell you, the byproduct of that is you truly believe that you can accomplish more. You know that you can accomplish more than you thought. Um, when you consistently click off 30-day challenges without having a failure, it's amazing what changes in your mind and what you think is achievable next, right? Because oh, well, doing- I, I just figured something out, Carmen. Randomly, like two months ago, you sent me this nice text about how important I was to you, and now I figured out why you did that. It was a random <laughs> act of kindness. Because I, I remember I texted you back. I'm like, are you drinking? Uh, you know, I was like, I was like, are you having martinis tonight? No, uh, but uh, I, I do know how hard you, uh, I do know how hard you challenge yourself. And Carmen, the other thing is that caffeine thing. That would be horrible. I don't know that I could go 30 days. I probably need to get my body off the addiction of caffeine. But I do remember Carmen when things were at their most stressful for you and I when we started at Mediterra. Just one day we decided we needed to go to the gym at like three o'clock. And then we did that probably every day for the next three years, I think. And that yeah. was, I think that was a really good, it was good for you and I to get away and not be at each other's throats and, and take the stress out on the, you know, on the basketball quarter at the gym. So that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Joel, yeah, I, how about you? Yeah. yeah you know, I laugh. I laugh listening to Carmen the only because as I've, as I've gotten to know him and that, that competitive, uh, nature and that, um, motivation is, is, is better due to a T. So, um, I, I gotta get on your list because I'm not quite that, uh, intense on some of those things. I think, you know, as I think about it, it really, really comes down to routine. You know, so there's lots of things that I, I like to do to, you know, relax and decompress when I'm stressed. And, you know, if I work out, I typically like to run. I'm an avid golfer, uh, and, and avid golfer by GM standards means like if I can play, um, once a week, I feel, uh, really good about it. Uh, time with my family. Um, but as I, as I think about it, it's really about a routine. Like when I'm at my best, um, I'm following a routine, right? I'm up early. I run first thing in the morning. Uh, like you, Tom, I couldn't give up that cup of coffee. I love a big, uh, cup of coffee in the morning, you know, read the paper, see what's on my calendar for the day, make my to-do list. And like, I get into that routine and I'm, I'm my best when I do that. And I think I'll be the first to say that um, you know, sometimes you fall off that routine. Like it's really easy. It's way easier to get caught up in the day-to-day of work and family and life than it is to stick to that routine. And so um, I say that with the fact that like I'm not always on my routine, but I'm always trying to get on my routine. Um, yeah. And sometimes that routine has to change because, you know, one of the best things I can do to decompress is spend some time with my kids, right? My, my wife got a joke with me. Like it always takes me the longest to put the kids to bed. Like I'll be in Finley's room for an hour because there's just nothing better than sitting there with them and reading the book, talking about their day, letting them fall asleep on your arm. Um, and so I break my routine all the time for things like that. Um, but I always get back to it, right? If I'm in a stressful situation or I'm at, you know, I've got a lot on my plate, like how do I get through that? Like I get back to the routine. I stay to that routine. And I think 
know, we talked about people we look up to or look at, you know, the most successful people and all the books you read have those routines. But I think, you know, sometimes I read those books and I'm like, God, they still really do this every day, all the time. Like, and I think it's okay to recognize that life and work and things do get in the way and you just have to know like what gets you back to center um, and be okay with, be okay with that. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely routine focused, um, you know, when, when, when the going gets tough. So. All right, that's that's an awesome answer. And I do think there's a there's some connectivity to successful people and exercise and, and finding that those ways to uh, decompress, especially in this industry. I think if you don't have a way to do that, I think it, it, it it's very hard to have a long uh, successful career as a leader if you don't know how to step back and and, and release that energy a little bit. Uh, Corey, anything, or should I? Uh, transition to the the next question well i was curious um carmen uh, thank you for sharing some of your leadership tips i had read the article in club and resort business and was very impressed and uh i love the story that tom shared about how he asked to meet the guy in the kitchen and you went to the wrong table um both of you are inspired leaders my question is about risk what do you think is one risk a recent risk or a risk that you've taken that maybe hasn't worked out as well as you liked or had an amazing effect? What's the last one you've done and what advice would you give to people that are younger GMs, as Tom alluded to, that perhaps are risk avert? Yeah, I have to share that and um, uh, give Joel a chance just to think because one came to the top of my head. Uh, it had to do with building. Um, so I guess just uh for the younger general managers, um, know that you're an expert. Know that you're in, you need to be engaged in your organization. You have to be engaged in your team. And if you do both of those things, then you you will become the you know the property expert in you know at your location. We were going through a pretty extensive construction, and Corey, you know that typically construction in Southwest Florida and and, uh, and the East Coast happens in the summer mm-hmm. and your biggest uh, uh, mitigation of risk would be to try to get things done before the storms come. Right. So we were, uh, we had completed phase one of the, of the main uh, clubhouse and we were cut the ribbon in December of 19, I'm sorry, of, of 18. And we were supposed to go through season and then start phase two uh, in six months following, so somewhere around June. And as I was completely engaged in this process and the project, knowing where every nail went, every outlet went, I started realizing that the the, the build, phase one build was adding dirt to our natural uh, terrain, and our phase two build was going to be the removal of significant dirt, so digging down. And it got me extremely uncomfortable, uh, knowing that there's no way that this is going to be a successful on budget, on time bill. I knew it, and I knew it four months before we cut the ribbon on phase one. So I started working uh, behind the scenes with the subs to get everything organized. And I went to the board two months before we cut the ribbon on phase one, and I said, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know have a curveball here, and I say that we continue the construction. We take three weeks off, January one to January twenty one. Uh, 
Uh, we, we have New Year's Eve, and then we go immediately into the construction for phase two, effectively shutting down 60% of the club in season. And they looked at me like, of course, I had three heads on it. I said, Carmen, you know, give us, give us the insight. And I said, well, we're going to be, you know, digging 30-foot holes to add in the staff spaces and the team area and the medi room. And when we do that, there's no way that we're going to be able to continually pump things, pump water out. So really what we're going to do is dig a big hole, wait eight months, have all these retainer fees approach us, and then be a couple million dollars over budget. So I'm telling you that I have everything lined up. The subs are ready. They know the property. If we let them leave and then come back in six months, it's going to be a new Joe, a new Sam, a new whoever. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I've reworked the calendar. This is what we have to do. And it was a four-minute discussion. Um, and then uh, a two months of campaigning and socialization to the membership. And the membership completely supported it. said, without a doubt, let's continue on and go forward. And that phase two came in on time and, uh, and under budget. And I got to tell you, I don't think that that would have been the case because of we now have the benefit of looking in the rear view mirror of knowing what the storms came to Southwest Florida during that time. And it would have been, it would have been a disaster, you know, trying to do that major build uh, during that time frame. So, you know, that was one of those things where it, it you could have got burned and it was a risky move. The, I'm thankful for the support that the board gave me to allow to do that. And then ultimately the membership to sort of forgive their, their season and just be under construction. And uh, all things worked out, you know, well with that decision. Great move. Uh, how about you, Joel? You know, maybe I'll share some just thoughts maybe more broadly as I think about risk, you know, considering Interlock and um, yeah, considering a, a major capital project uh, here at present. And, and there's maybe a couple things there that would be uh, considered risky. And I'll tell you if they, they work out or not um, down the road. But I think what I'd say is I think in business and, and in life, like success, like fav- success favors the bold. As I look at the, the companies, the organizations, the people that, you know, I look up to and admire the most or that I'm chasing. Um, they are people or organizations that have taken big risks. Um, and so I guess as I think about risk, um, I, I think about it from that perspective, right? If I may be the most successful, that's going to require us to take some risks, and it's how we assess and think about those risks that probably ultimately determine our success or failure. And so, you know, if you're very similar to like Carmen's case, right, having support of your board is important. How do you gain support of your board? You gain support through, you know, a well-reasoned approach, a data-driven approach, right? It's not a I stuck my finger in the air and I thought this was a good idea. It was, here was the process we went through to make this decision or recommendation. And here's why we think it'll work. Um, right. So I'm already protecting my, my downside, but I've got a really good uh, case to story to tell on the upside. But I think in, in nearly every instance from, you know, Amazon, maybe as the, the, the big company in the, in the world that we all look up to in a lot of ways, because, you know, Jeff McFadden is the big club you look up to in a lot of ways. Um, success favors those that make bold decisions. And I think if you want to achieve the most you can in your career and life, you've got to make good calculated risks on a regular basis. That's good tips. Very good tips from both of you gentlemen. Let's uh, talk about tee it up for the troops real quick. And the reason I want to bring that up is because Copland, Keebler, and Wallace has proudly supported that organization since it was founded in 2005. The mission is straightforward. Tee it up for the troops is to they honor and support all of those who served in the United States military by hosting impactful fundraising events 
at supportive golf clubs across the USA. We encourage you to learn more about how you can support their efforts by going to teeitupforthetroops.org. Tom? Thank you very much. All right, fellas, last question. We'll get you out of here. I know you're very busy, but I want to talk about who you're chasing. And I, I love this question for you two because when I, I speak to students at the BMIs or at student chapters, I, I also often tell them, look at Carmen, look at Joel. These are the folks in the industry, the Marcy Mills. The, these are the people you want to be chasing. They're, they're setting a new path. They're guiding the future of the club industry. But now I want to turn around and ask you, who in, in the industry are you, you all chasing? I know Joel's competitive. I'm competitive. Uh, Carmen, you're very competitive, as I know. You know. So who is it that in the industry you're chasing? Who is it that you think's doing it? Just the, Not even better, but just someone you keep your eye on for what they're up to, what they're doing. And then tell me about someone outside of the industry as well. Yeah, I can... No, I, I can I can jump in since uh, Carmen took the first and last time. Um, so I, I made this comment the other day, talking to one of our members, I think, about you know some of the, the things that we're uh, talking about here at Interlocking. And I think that one of the comments I made was that you know change is hard in, in clubs, and I think um, you know similar to like how change is hard in churches and government. And so what that means is like change oftentimes happens very slowly. As we think about um, what clubs are doing today, which maybe could even be considered like on the, the forefront of our industry. I think in a lot of cases, hotels, restaurants, and other travel and hospitality, um, you know, entities were doing those things years ago. And so, um, you know, oftentimes I'm looking to, um, you know, the best hotels, the best restaurants. Um, you know, I admire Delta Airlines for a lot of reasons. Um, even Amazon, right? We were talking about a, a new um, halfway house out on the golf course, and you know, it starts to come to mind. It's like you, know, you can go shop at Amazon today. You walk in, you walk out with what you got, and you know, you don't have to do anything along the way, and they know what you purchased, like. When does that happen in a, in a club environment? And so um, I think day in and day out, like I'm, I'm keenly focused on where our members are spending their time, money, and energy when they're not at the club. Um, and I'm chasing after that time, money, and energy because I want it to be to be here. Um, but that's not to say that there's not a lot of um, innovative things happening in, in our industry. I mean, I referenced Jeff McFadden, I think, uh, you know, earlier. And, you know, I look up to Jeff for, for several reasons. And one of those is for his boldness and for how he's really – push the industry in terms of what he thinks is possible. Um, you know, the other guys on this phone call, I'm always looking to see what, what Carmen is doing. He's put his employees at the forefront in a way that, um, you know, private clubs maybe haven't um, historically. And so, um, you know, I'm a firm believer, believer that, you know, rising tides raise all ships. And so um, intensely competitive, but looking to those, you know, down the street, across the country and, and in other industries to say, how do I be sure Interlocking's always ahead of that, that curve? Um, for our team and for our members and ultimately that um, experience and hey, that's what like, inspires and motivates me and that, that's what's fun um, is to, to chase those those ideas and find how they fit into into your business and how they improve your experience and ultimately when you take the risks and they're successful that's the, the reward and, and that keeps the, the energy going. Great. Thanks Joel. Carmen? Yeah, um, I I you know, I, I, I just think that um, I think every club does it better than we do sometimes. I honestly got to think that, uh, you know, there's so much competition in Southwest Florida and there's so much competition on, you know, Southeast Florida and, you know, in Scottsdale and across the country that uh, there's just very, very talented people out there that I don't put myself in, you know, their, their conversation. I'm friends with them, but, 
they're really doing it right. And I'm, I'm just, you know, sort of trying to hold on to the coattails a lot of times with, with, uh, with some of these individuals, as I mentioned, you know, Jay and DiPietro, uh, McFadden as well, Marcy, Joel, Tom, the things you did at Oakmont during the, the, the multiple, uh, opens, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm like the crust on the pizza, right? Trying to, trying to weasel my way in there sometimes. And, and I just, I just think that there's a lot of great things that clubs do that, uh, that I want to try to be better than. So, you know, chasing, chasing everybody at all times, um, chasing Mediterra, you know, the Mediterra that was yesterday, it can't be the same way today. I'm certainly not going to say that we exceed expectations. I, you know, I think a few people know my beliefs on that or the word excellence. But, uh, you know, I am just, I'm in awe of how smart people are in this industry. I'm in awe of how smart the board members that sit at the table are. And, you know, it's like a master class every day. I'm chasing them. I mean, I know, I told my president, I said, you know, I just, when I'm 66 years old, 68, 70 years old, you know, I, if, if I'm halfway to where you're at, then I'm going to keep on driving and, and, and going, uh, you know, going further. So, you know, I just, there's, there's learnings in every corner. I mean, with Damon, when he went from Charlotte, uh, you know, to the monster, you know, DM now, it's just unbelievable to me. So uh, I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of, you know, those circles. I'm honored to be, um, to, to learn from all of them. And, you know, I, it's, it's real easy for me to keep chasing because it seems like everybody's raising the bar and I just got to keep running after it. So it doesn't get old. I'll tell you that. It'll help. Yeah, well, you 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 all are being chased by a lot of folks, and I encourage people to chase you too, just like uh, some of the other names we mentioned, because you really are you're setting the bar high, and you all uh, you're you're being very modest, both of you, but uh, very proud to call you peers and friends, and very proud that uh, this industry has you in it, because I think it helps these young folks that are getting in the industry see uh, what the future. Uh, leaders of this industry are, are doing and uh, you set a, a great bar and I know that uh, they're chasing you so keep it up gentlemen thank you thanks Tom you know Tom I'm cool. going to ask one more question if that's all right you know oh, of course in our past podcast we've talked a lot about uh, literature and what are you reading and I think that gives a good insight to who the person is but I was just listening to a great interview uh, about the late night talk show hosts and how competitive they are to get the guest first, especially when they have a blockbuster movie. So for these younger people out there that want to get to know Carmen and want to get to know Joel, you're sitting behind the desk, you're hosting a late night talk show. Anybody that's alive today, who would be your guest that you would want first? Joel? Oh, man, that is... Um... That is a challenging question. You know, I'm, you talked a little bit about, about what I was reading, so that, that triggered um, an answer. There's a lot of people I'd love to spend time with in that opportunity, but uh, one of my favorite books that I just read is, is Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, the former uh, mm-hmm. chairman and CEO of, of Disney. Um, and there were so many um, leadership principles that resonated um, with me in that uh, book and spoke to me as a leader as it related to the bold risks that, that he took and how he transformed um, that organization. And so if I had the chance to to sit behind the desk with um, Bob and, and hear from him, um, I would I would would thoroughly enjoy it. Carmen, how about you? That's a uh, that's an unbelievable question. Um, you know, I think I 
I'm, I'm struggling with this. And the last book I read was, uh, was just, um, and for those of you who have it, it sort of just takes the, uh, the presence of a shark, a parasite and a puffer fish and puts that into a leadership mindset. And it was, uh, it was, it was a cool little way to, to understand, you know, just to think about leadership in a, in a different dynamic. Um, but if I was a late night talk show host and I was going to, uh, to want to interview someone, you know, I'm going to say in the business, if, if, uh, I would, I would want to interview Jay. I mean, I've seen it done a, a bunch of times and you know, his story, I think the, I know I get a lot from it, but the young general managers hearing, you know, the, the, the treacherous times that happened before when they were, you know, it was a GM every year for many years to then him going there and, you know, putting a pause to the, to the, to the turning door and then having an incredible career and changing the way, honest to God, he changed the way clubs are. I mean, before it was, before that, it was, you know, two dining outlets and both dining outlets at the same menu and they were called the same thing. And now it's just, you know, that's, that's, what he's been able to produce there has spread tentacles throughout the club environment. Uh, I never get enough of him. So I, you know, if it was in the business, it would be him. And Tom, I know Kurt's not available to be your guest. So who would you choose? Oh, that's right. Well, gosh, boy, uh, Jack Wells would have been for sure. If, if, uh, before he passed, I, boy, there's a lot of people I, I might in, in the industry, probably Danny Meyer, would be someone I'd love to sit down and chat with a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Jesse uh, Isler or David Goggins, probably as far as inspiration guys, that leaders that I just think are in, bring a level of intensity, but uh, you know, they're on opposite ends, but I, I they, they're in a great book together about uh, living with a Navy SEAL. David Goggins is a crazy uh ultra marathoner and athlete and former Navy SEAL and Hitler is a very successful businessman that had a very kind of odd upbringing. And, uh, as far as his business, all his businesses and what he did differently, but he, he's also married to the CEO of Spanx. And so, uh, probably them, Danny Meyer, I think I, I got to sit on the CMA, uh, talk that he gave, but I'd love to sit down and just talk to him more about hospitality at some point. And Isler's pretty fascinating when he talks about how training with the SEAL and Sarah Blakely, his wife, is uh, pretty talented as well and how she came up yeah. with Spanx. So really good stuff, guys. Carmen, next time you have a 30-day challenge, feel free to send that out to myself as well because I could use that discipline and law, as long as it's not the caffeine one. Uh, Joel, real pleasure spending time with you today and with Carmen. This has been a fantastic show, and I want to remind everyone that the Copland, Keebler, and Wallace team members are committed to the success of their clients, the professionals they place in the industries they love. Through their commitment and dedication, they are able to advance the careers of their candidates, improve the well-being of their clients, and have fun every day. Learn more at and w.com and that and is spelled out tom speaking of having fun this was a great show today yes thank you Corey and gentlemen thank you again appreciate you all your friendship and appreciate you taking some time to be on the kk and w leadership podcast great podcast Likewise. great podcast guys a lot of fun i'm Corey saban everyone i hope clubs with marketing strategies to enhance their brand awareness and with crisis management trainings until next time have a wonderful day